heard it once. I've heard it thousands and thousands of times. Uh, how much our fans love the uh, Red River game at 2.30. We think that would be a great time slot. That being said, I don't know that it will stay in that time slot permanently. You know, I'm still learning more and more about the new television agreements inside the SEC. And uh, with ESPN as their full partner, there's, there are going to be a number of exciting things developed. Now, the one thing that we have said forever is that we won't move that game to prime time in the evening. That's just not going to happen. And there's just uh, too much going on around the state fair to play that game at night. Old Joe C. was on one this morning, breaking all kinds of news and all kinds of details going on. Tyler, you know what I thought was most interesting about that Uh audio right there? What's that? The fact that he had an extended pause because he didn't know what to call the Red River shootout or showdown. (laughs) He said Red River game. Uh, Don't want to get canceled. (laughs) Don't want to get canceled. What what, what am I supposed to call it here? That's why I always say just call it the OU-Texas game. Not the Texas Texas. OU game. It's the OU-Texas game. (laughs) Good stuff, though. I thought that was – Yeah, it was. uh, He had some interesting things to say today. Yeah, um, what was most interesting, Kyler Murray statue, OU-Texas, they prefer it 230 as well. Um, They're saying, nah, to a 100,000-seat stadium, which one uh, stuck out to you the most? Well, I think the – I mean, I I expected the Kyler situation or not expected it. Knew – I think we all knew about it to some degree or or another. Um, We've talked about the 230 situation. I think, you know, my hunch was always they're not going to expand the stadium for, uh, you know, to try to go to 100,000. But he did say, like – and I can't remember if this was the audio version or later whenever he uh, clarified on social media that like, there may be some expansion, but maybe not necessarily to 100,000, right? Yeah. Uh, let me pull up exactly what he said. I think that that was in the, uh, the tweet that he had earlier. Yeah. I'll go back and read that. But, yeah, I, look, we, we've talked about this enough. I, I think we both agree there's no need to get to 100,000. If it's at eighty-seven or ninety thousand, if you stay there, fine. Just as just as far as the amenities are, are really awesome. Uh, he said this, Josie. As I said during fast-paced interview, more time needed for full context. Instead, we're focusing on renovations that create great fan experience. Seating capacity could grow some to meet demand, but not one hundred thousand. Three point eight million population now in Oklahoma. Growth not projected to double slash triple overnight. Yeah. Yeah. And I, hey, it's, if you're into trying to hit a certain number for like to, uh, to poke your chest out, then like it's easier to get to 90,000, right? 90,000 is a better way to get into the 90,000 club. I, uh, that's a little bit better and easier and, you know, not just building a bunch of seats and uh, adding on just to do it. Right. I think 
if you could add a, a couple thousand and just go ahead and claim it's a hundred grand, like we we said the other day, is probably the best way to go about it. Did you change the Wikipedia page, by the way? Did no. you change it to two hundred thousand, like I told you to? I thought about it, but mm. I, number one, uh, I didn't want to get fact checked. I'm anti fact checking, and number two, that's way I don't I don't actually know how to edit a Wikipedia page. Yeah. That's above my technology grade. Do people? I, I know the answer to this is yes, but. Why do people care so much about a 100,000-seat stadium? I guess if you can have one and you can fill it up every Saturday, awesome. But it's like this, and I think maybe this is just an SEC thing, but it's almost like a status symbol with some fans. And I say, who cares, man? Like, to me, the people that are bragging about having a 100,000-seat stadium, they're probably bragging about it because they have nothing else to brag about. You know, I think of, like, Penn State probably bragging about it. A&M probably brags a lot about having a 100,000-seat stadium. I don't know, man. I, maybe I'm in the minority on this one. I just – I really don't think it's that big of a deal. I could care less if OU ever gets to 100,000. It's not a big deal to me. Right. Well, I don't know. I think it's um, – I mean, it, it's the same – it's no different than uh, why do you care about your team winning a national championship? I mean – you want to be able to brag about it and compare it to all the other schools out there. And I think it's the same thing with, with the stadium. You want to be able to say that, well, your program is one of the handful that are able to pack out a hundred thousand seat stadium. That's how uh, good of a fan base we are. I, I think it's, I think that's probably about as deep as it goes, which I don't know is, I guess is as good a reason as any for anything else. I mean, uh, the text line says, I think they should make it 90,069 just for Teddy. That would be, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, Sooner Soldier says, why not 100,000? It would make it louder, and we know we aren't that loud now. But, okay, I, I see that, Sooner Soldier. That's if you feel it every single game. 87,000 or 90,000 can still be very loud. It can still be loud enough. It, I, like, it doesn't need to be 100,000 to be deafening in there. It, it can happen. Hell, the OU-Nebraska game in 2000 was deafening, was it not? Sure. And the capacity back then was probably around 75,000. Those before the renovations were done. Yeah. The reason not 100,000 is because a, a packed 85,000 looks better than a not-packed 100,000. Yep. And if you're not going like in financially, if you're not going to always sell it out, then it doesn't make any sense. And you know, Joe C said like we'll expand to match demand. And like right now, like you may want to have a year or two in the SEC to see how things go number 1 and and see if like like we've hoped and and projected like we have an increase in fans wanting to come to games because a better schedule I, if that's the case i and your sellouts start to really actually look like sellouts not like what some of them look like then okay maybe we should discuss adding some more seats and look into it does it make sense financially do we project that we're going to continue to sell out and we could continue to sell out 5,000 or 8,000 more tickets uh, for each home game. If, if that's a yes, then it's probably something 
that you would without a doubt do. I mean, it's it's got to make sense financially, not just to enter a number onto Wikipedia how much your stadium holds. Boy, text line is on one today. From the 580, yeah, that's what we need. 15,000 more olds in their 96 Copper Bowl windbreakers telling us all to sit down. <laughs> uh, 2000 Nebraska game was best I've ever been to. The first touchdown in Lincoln last year was impressive, though. That's yeah. Greg and Lawton. Yeah. Yeah, it did get pretty loud, that first touchdown. Total agreement about the 100,000-seat stadium. We were in Neyland in Knoxville, and it was the most uncomfortable stadium we've ever been in. Stop cramming more people in just to brag about it. I think about that. I mean, that, that, there's some some truth to that. I Let's say we're at 87,000 right now. I, if you want to get to 100K – that's 13,000 more people that you have to deal with on the road to get out of town after oh. the game. Or, or getting in the gates, Teddy. Or getting with in the, the gates uh, or finding yeah. parking. No way. No thank you. Uh-uh. I say we reduce capacity. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you said the greatest OU Texas game you've ever been to was the COVID year when it was whatever 50% capacity or it 25. It was amazing. It felt like being in a minor league baseball game. I say that all the time because oh, you would have a massive touchdown late and it was like – individual claps in the stadium yeah all right Woo! nice job boys it really did feel like a minor league game it was cool it's like the uh those pictures we always see of the guy sitting way up at the very top reading a book with his shirt off it's <laughs> yeah. one of those games <laughs> that was at a florida state game i think it's that guy yeah uh peyton says k-state stadium is like fifty-six thousand, and i've heard it louder than norman on multiple occasions well i know teddy's heard uh k-state stadium pretty loud one time hey i know we bring up the fact that i get a got the pump blocked at k-state every single day but this is yeah. the first time in like a week or two it's been in the opening segment of the show <laughs> normally it's when we're out of content and we just lash out because we have nothing else to, to say <laughs> right right well i don't know i think um i think what Josie said is correct they're they're more about expanding and finding ways to make the the current 87,000 more comfortable and having a better experience and if there is pent-up demand in the future at that point maybe you will look into expanding at, to some degree sure Clemson is around 80,000 and considered one of the loudest venues yes uh kind of let's see the fact that Oklahoma could fill 100, do it. But, yeah, my thoughts is it's a measuring contest for sure. And a lot of people are saying cough, cough, A&M when they say that. So I'm glad we're all on the same page well, there with it, that one. Here's the – the bottom line is this. If we could fill 100,000 every week, they would do it in a heartbeat. If you could fill 110 every week, they'd do it in a heartbeat. It's just it's about the like the demand has to be there, and yep. right now it just hasn't. And I think a, a big part of that is the schedule, right? It's the schedule. You add in what the schedule's been, what the results have been, and uh, you, there's there hasn't been a. When is the last time we went into a season? Feeling like we're gonna, we we have a legitimate chance to win a national championship this year. Not make it to the semifinal, 
not maybe win a semifinal game, depending on who the matchup is. Like, we're going into the season. We we legitimately, the fan base feels like we have the best team in the yeah. country. I, I see your point. It's more recent than you think. It's the um, – 17? No, I think it's even more recent than that. It was the uh, 21 season, uh, Spencer Rattlers last year, before he got replaced by Caleb Williams. Well, okay. I mean, there, there were there – were, now, I, I mean, but – there were pretty high expectations going in. Well, that, that was like the um, that was like the if there's a year to do it, it's this year. Yeah, it wasn't but like, like but we like have serious, the best like, team. Okay, you know, I, I would I would say 2017, but I remember a pretty defeatist feel out there about God. I just hope we go up to Ohio State and play it close. I just hope we don't get blown out. Yeah. So I don't even know if 2017 is the right answer when you had Baker for his last and, year. And, you know, it was Lincoln's first year. I think 2017 like, grew into that as the season wore on. But, I mean, that's kind of my point. And I think that has a lot to do with how many people show up to games. Like, if you go into the season and there's like a legitimate consensus among your own fan base, it doesn't have to be nationally, but among your own fan base that – we have a legitimate chance to win a national championship, then all of a sudden attendance looks different. Yeah. Uh, I got to read this one. Teddy is totally the guy in the top section shirtless with the book about how Tool formed. <laughs> I, I've already read that Not book. wrong. I've already read that book. I may have he wrote read, that He book. read it the second half of OU Texas last year up in the radio booth. <laughs> that's what he was doing. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Yeah, I – I would just – I'd be the guy that's half asleep with the headphones on, okay? Then maybe that's better. <laughs> maybe that's better. Uh, Sean says, whether it's Owen Field or the LNC, I feel the complaining constantly comes from people who, one, don't buy season tickets, and two, only watch on TV. He also wants to know what the obsession is with people having a 100,000-seat stadium. Sean, that's what I said at the beginning of the segment. I, I don't understand it. I don't know why. I think it's only a big deal to – Programs and fans that have nothing else to to brag about is my guess. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, and I'm not saying this is good or bad or or anything, but a hundred thousand seat stadium also looks cool whenever it's full. Whenever you're watching on TV, you know. So I mean that I. I get the point about not going and not buying the tickets and wanting everyone else to be the people that actually go up there, but it is still cool whenever you see an environment that's, even if you're not there, if it's your school and it's 100,000 sold out, crazy environment. But sure. your the point is correct. Uh, according to Joe C., I guess uh, get ready for some 230 OU Texas games moving forward. Maybe not forever. Maybe that's not the only kickoff time that they'll have moving forward, but he seemed to uh, echo the sentiments a bit of uh, CDC down there in Texas that, yeah, I've heard from the fans, and they like the 230, and we like it as well. Good to hear. You know, I'll tell you what's interesting about how he said it. Uh, CDC, Chris Del Conte said that they're going to talk to the SEC and see, see about getting that game scheduled at 230. Uh, and that was was that was that this week or was that last was that like Friday? That was that was Monday, I think. Is Monday when he said that. Well, I, he said that they they want to talk to the SEC about that. 
Joe C said that it's done. That's how it's going to be, and we're not sure if it's going to be like that way forever. You know what I'm saying? He kind of framed it yeah. differently, which I thought was interesting. He at least that's the way I took it. Is he sounded like that's it's going to be at two thirty? Now we don't know if it's going to be at two thirty every year for forever, but I don't know. Did, he, did you he take was it ready the same for way? that question? Yeah, no, yes, but he was ready for that question, wasn't he? Because he quickly followed up with. Don't even for a second get your hopes up about a primetime kickoff in that game. That ain't happening. Uh, he put that to bed pretty quick that, like, 11 a.m., 2.30, whatever your preference is, pick one because there's not going to be a night game at, at OU Texas, which is not surprising, but that's that ain't going to happen. It's a night game for some people. I mean, some people pass out directly following the game as if it were over at 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night. Right, it's true. You need more of that in that game, you know. Mm. I mean, it's seven thirty somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a great T-shirt idea next year for OU Texas at seven thirty somewhere. Hey, I'm sitting in uh, an empty Lloyd Noble Center. Shocker. Where went? Uh, went sorry, bad wow. joke. Wow, <laughs> dude, really? What are you going to say next? That they need to put a video game controller in Kyler Murray's hands for a statue when they unveil it? Oh, is that, is that how you're going to act today, man, dude? God. Anyway, I walked in and they uh, had a little bit of the basketball courts on the floor. Now they're getting ready for the uh, gymnastics meet uh, tomorrow night. So it's been kind of cool to hang out here and see them transform the floor from one sport to the other. It's been pretty awesome. But we are uh, promoting OU baseball, OU women's tennis, OU women's hoops, and OU women's gymnastics all in Norman this weekend. Soonersports.com. Go get your tickets because big weekend in Norman. Awesome stuff. One. All right, let's hit a quick opening timeout. Keep hitting the text on. I see them coming in. Some good stuff coming in. We'll hit those next. 651-3439. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Keep the text coming on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. I'm at the LNC Lloyd Noble Center today in Norman. Promoting all the fun happening in town this weekend. OU Baseball's got a three-game set starting tomorrow. OU Women's Tennis has a doubleheader on Saturday. OU Women's Hoops, a huge game against Texas on Saturday afternoon. And OU Women's Gymnastics, a uh, big meet on Friday night as well. So ESPN had a uh, college football most-to-prove story out. Tell me if you um, – actually, no, I'm going to ask you each category here. They had like five, six of their writers um, comment on each of these. Yeah. Who do you think overwhelmingly with those guys they said is the college football coach with the most to prove going into this year? College football coach with the most to prove. Um, hmm. I think it is – now, don't think how you would think. <laughs> this guy's got this big of a buyout. Who cares if he fails? He'll get fired and get paid? Like, think about how they would think about it, is what I would tell you. Well, I'm thinking it's Sarkeesian. Uh, he got a couple of votes, but overwhelmingly, for the most part, it was Jimbo Fisher. Really? Okay. Yeah. After, a, what, a five and seven year last year at A&M, preseason top ten team? Yeah. I, I guess, um, I mean, he he's taken over a mediocre program 
and they've remained mediocre. I don't know what the like, what's to prove. You know, <laughs> it's, it time has already proven it. Yeah, over and over and over. So, I mean, he's not trying to get back to anything. You know, he's. It's not like they had a playoff appearance and have fallen off since. I mean, what they had a good COVID year, and that and that it. They won a COVID Orange Bowl. Yeah, that's what they did. Beat North it. Carolina. So, okay, I, but. All right. I mean, I can understand that. Yes. It sounded like you wanted to say Sark, and I don't disagree with that one. Like, I'm starting to think that Texas is going to get picked to win the conference this year. Uh, maybe they're even fringe top ten to start the year. I don't think that they're going to be that good of a team. Um, if, if Sark isn't labeled as someone with a lot to prove this year, I think that he could absolutely be in that spot a year from now. I I, I think that this is a big year for him. Last year in the Big 12, let's see what they do after Bijan Robinson. Like, I, I don't think that Sark has just totally proven himself at Texas just yet. Well, and, and here's the thing. I, A&M, who's the quarterback at A&M next year? Uh, probably the uh, freshman from last year, former five-star, uh, that played at the tail end of the year. Right. Why am I totally blanking on well, his name? Well, because no one knows his name. That's what I'm saying. Um. Sarkeesian, on the other hand, which this is a conundrum in itself, has two once-in-a-generational quarterbacks on his uh, roster at, at one and two. How is that even possible? I don't know. But somehow they've pulled it off. Uh, if you've got two quarterbacks like that and you know, you, you've won a national championship within the last 20 years as a university, you've got a, a move coming up to the Southeastern Conference – like that is something to prove. Like Sarkeesian at Texas, Freeman, Venables going into year two at programs that have both made college football playoffs. Like, I mean, those to me are legitimate places where a coach has something to prove. Connor Wegman, thank you. Text line. That's that's exactly who. It the is. I guess that also kid? proves the points. You know, it, it also proves the point that you're trying to say. Um, player. Who do you think they overwhelmingly said? Well, not overwhelmingly, but got the most votes for player, college football player who's got the most to prove going into this year. And I agree with this, by the way. The most to prove. Yeah. Well. I mean, a, ma- a massive hint for you is you were just talking about the team that he plays for. It's, yeah, I mean, I can see how it's Ewers, but. Huh. I mean, doesn't it have to be. Caleb Williams? Uh, I mean, what does he have to prove? He already won a Heisman Trophy, and he's going to be the number one overall pick. I mean, what, what's there left to prove for him? How about prove that he can win a single game that is actually meaningful? <laughs> well, I that's a fair point, I guess. Uh, maybe he needs to start playing weak side linebacker if that's going to happen out there. I, I don't know. I, I think You know what I'm saying? Quinn Ewers had like a perfect score coming out of high school, which is ridiculous, but whatever. He had all the NIL money, all the hype last year, and he didn't have a great year. I, I think I think Quinn Ewers now with the Arch Manning effect, I think he does have probably the most to prove. And if not the most to prove, maybe the most pressure out of anyone in college football yeah. next year, player-wise. Yep. No, I mean, I get that. Uh, that's true. Um 
I, you know, I, I would say, like, I think Caleb Williams, they got to do something, and their their schedule's going to be difficult. Um, boy, I don't know who's going to be quarterback at uh, Ohio State, but that's good. That that poor quarterback's going to have something to prove big time. You want to talk about stepping into a pressure packed situation at QB there with with um, what's happened the last couple of years with them in Michigan? Yeah. Well, and they got to play Notre Dame early in the year too. And I what I saw, FanDuel had Ohio State as an eight point early favorite in that game. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. That's a bold line, right? And I don't know how good Notre Dame's going to be. I mean, I, they, they did get a transfer at quarterback, so I, I guess we'll see. But some of those lines were – like Texas is now a five-point favorite over uh, OU on FanDuel. And maybe that's not that surprising after the 49-0 win last year. But that's got to be – in terms of at this point of the year, that's got to be the biggest early line or favorite that Texas has been over OU in. Dude, I don't even know how long. It's been a while. I would say if you've got if you plan on betting on that football game outside of an injury happening like what we had last year with uh, Dylan Gabriel being out uh, if you can get Oklahoma plus was it 5 or 5 and a half 5 I, I think you take it right now historically it feels like that game and that line always trends back closer to you know even as it gets closer no matter who the yeah. favorite is, rarely does it, it – I feel like it doesn't extend. I feel like it always tightens. I got to feel like, too, man, that's, that's really their first big-time test of the year, in my opinion. Maybe Cincinnati ends up being a little bit better than I think they're going to be, and they played them on the road before, but that's kind of the game that they're circling. I'm not saying that they ain't going to show nothing until Texas this year, like we always get to make make, make fun of, but you know they're going to have something for that game. Like I, I would think OU's going to put quite a bit in that game to have a much better performance than a year ago. So all that to say, yeah, I would trend towards taking OU in the five in that game if I were to bet it right now. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. Mm-hmm. In that game – the as Josie called it, the Red River game. <laughs> Who will have the edge at quarterback? OU will have the edge at quarterback in that Woo! game. <laughs> I don't think it's a very hot take, man. If Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning's a starting quarterback, for as much crap as Dylan Gabriel got from the fan base last year. I still think he had a better year than Quinn Ewers, and I don't have the numbers pulled up right in front of me, and both quarterbacks had some not-so-great moments a year ago, but Quinn Ewers was just flat-out bad in some games last year. I, I think I think DG is I, – I, I if I had my pick, I would take Dylan Gabriel over Quinn Ewers. Okay. Um that's that's interesting considering and, and two and two i think we have to realize eric gray had a nice year but is it fair to say that maybe texas had a little bit better of an offensive line yeah probably slightly they definitely had a better run game a year well, ago I, I didn't ask you any of those questions all i asked i you just was... want to add to it before the text line attacks me and call me a dylan gabriel homer or something well i'm just wanted to clarify i'm i i do think it's interesting that you can have 
two perfect quarterbacks on your roster and still not have the advantage at quarterback in the OU Texas game. Okay, who has the edge at running back? And if you'd like, you can you could just say running game. Um, edge running game. I think it's as you would say a wash as of right now. Chicken, you Texas know what has, answer, but okay. No, 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 no. I, I think as of right now, I think OU's running backs are, I don't know, Texas got some young backs that could be pretty good. They got the number one running back coming in this year. Now, I now, would say I second. like OU's you, running backs a little bit more, but Texas offensive line a little bit more. So that's why I say that. Okay. Um, I think OU's going to have the better running game, and I'll tell you why. The two quarterbacks – that the University of Texas, Austin, has a chance of playing or will most likely play in that game, neither one of them are going to factor into the running game. I, that is not going to be the case this year for our quarterback. As long as he's healthy going in, and even if he's not, quarterback run game is going to be big for us, and I think it's going to open up everything in the running game. I would check Oklahoma in the running game. What about a wide receiver? I would say Texas for right now. Yes, that's I, correct. I, 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 yeah, I, I need to see a lot more from OU. I, I, and I think that there, there there could definitely be a situation where OU is better at wide receiver this year, but I think we all acknowledge some things have to happen for that to be the case. Yeah, like uh, Texas' best wide receiver transferring to Oklahoma after the spring game. Let's move wow. on. Who's going to have – throwing out some hints there. Interesting. Okay. Who's, I'm not throwing out anything. I was just, you know. Uh, yeah, all right. Um, I'm sure. Who's going to have the edge on defense? Who's going to have the best defense going into the Red River game? I think OU. I think OU. I, I think that's going to be their best side of the ball this year. Um, I think OU is going to have the edge. I think they're going to be better in all three areas. Uh, I think the secondary they got a chance to be pretty good. Defensive line they're going to be a lot better. I I actually feel pretty good about OU being better defensively than Texas. Like it, love it, hate it. Um, I long pause. Well, I think, I think that's eventually going to be the case, but it's hard to say that right now after last season and maintain any credibility. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not trying to maintain credibility. All right. I'm just trying to project it. Hey, by the way, uh, thanks, Blaine, by the way. The spread opened at four, the early line. It jumped up to five quickly. And I just assumed that it stayed at five. No, 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 no. Texas is now a six and a half point favorite on FanDuel. So now, now's the time, if you'd like. I guess you can wait 24 hours to see if it jumps even more. But I guess people are piling on Texas in that early number. Yeah, of course. They've got uh, Eli Manning as their backup quarterback now. I thought it was – was it Peyton, their third string? That's, it's just one of them. It's, I, don't, yeah. I don't know who it is. Okay. So, uh, I think after that series of questions, you have Oklahoma winning by six touchdowns? Well, in the first half. They'll go into the <laughs> halftime up six touchdowns. Who knows yeah. what the backups give up late in the game, give up a couple of late touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. Well, six and a half, though, man. Golly, I, I really can't think of a year where Texas would have been thought of as a six and a half point favorite at this time of the year. You may have to go back to like 2005 when that would have been the case. And OU had just won five straight over them, so I don't know if it would have been 
six and a half uh, early in the year 2005. Maybe it would have been, but dang, that's significant. Yeah. Um, okay. I, interesting stuff. I will say this. I, I do think that Ewers is – I think he's going to have quite a bit of uh, he better. progress. I, I think. You know, he's, he's going to be pressured, obviously, to get better with uh with Manning there year 2 I mean this is the th- that was the first year he's finally played any amount it, it how long had it been since he'd played any meaningful quarterback it's been a long time senior year of high yeah he didn't at Ohio State so his senior year of or I guess technically he, his junior year yeah that's of high what I'm saying school, he didn't so. yeah he he didn't play his senior year of high school it's been a long time and he's still he's still young he had a lot of seat time last year and you know, I'm willing to say that what you saw from Quinn Ewers in his first year as a starting quarterback is like I expect him to progress and get better yeah. with the tools that All he right. has. We so. got to hit a break. We'll get to some text coming up next. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, special guest this segment live from the Lloyd Noble Center. OU women's basketball coach Jenny Baranchek joins us. Uh, Jenny, thanks for. Uh, walking up all the stairs of the LNC to come up here and join us. I was thinking about your season earlier today, and it was like, you know, you really get your money's worth if you go watch OU women's basketball. One, you have the best scoring offense in the league, but I'm just thinking of the exciting games. You had Taylor Robertson breaking the three-point record. I know that was on the road, but you had an exciting finish against Iowa State, a bucket with seven seconds left, a thrilling game in Bedlam against Oklahoma State, you scored five points in seven seconds against Baylor on the road to force that into overtime. So it's been a great year, um, but I'm sure it's been an exciting year as well with all those close finishes. Well, it has, and I think – oh, you got me. I'll switch it over here. How about that? Can you hear me? No. How about now? There we go. there we go. Now I'm here. Okay. Well, at least it bought me a second coming up those stairs because that was pretty yeah. hard. <laughs> no, it has been. I mean, it's just such an exciting team, and – you know, we just have such a fun group. We really do. And it's a gritty group. And it's a group that, you know, just has this, has this just like roll up our sleeves, blue collar mentality, but then magic can strike at any point. And it's been really fun to be able to watch this group build something pretty darn special. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it has been fun and you definitely get your money's worth, but today we got some free tickets. So oh, yeah, yeah exactly, okay. exactly. So we're going to give away some tickets, however you want to give them away, but they will be my special guests this weekend. Okay. And- how about this? What? What number did Jenny Baranchek wear at the University of Iowa? First oh, we're five going that people far back. to text okay. that in. No on the one's going to text, gonna text that. <laughs> they, they, I, I think you'd be surprised at how many people might know that. We, I, I will be surprised if anyone knows that. I don't even know if my children know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I don't know if you're telling your team this. Maybe this isn't the focus, but Saturday's a huge game. and. I feel like it's one of the bigger regular season games this program has had in quite some time. So just what a home court would do for you because you saw that in Austin earlier this year. I'm sure it would be just just awesome to have that on Saturday. Well, you do. I mean, honestly, there's so many different factors. And everybody knows it's a big game. One, every game at this point of year is a big game. And that's I know that sounds like coach speak, but it isn't. Every game in February as you head to March is a huge game. And then you look at the fact that it's, okay, yep, we're both similar in terms of standings, right? We're tied for first. And then you look at the fact and you're like, 
Oh my gosh, there's two more home games for this incredible senior class. Oh, and by the way, it's OU Texas, which apparently is a really big deal, right? And so, and so from that, from that standpoint, I think it's huge. And, and honestly, you start to look at around at the, you know, in, in all these women's basketball games, they're getting so much attention and these home crowds have been phenomenal. You know, we're both highly ranked teams and honestly, Texas would be ranked higher if they didn't have injuries early on in the season. They're both, you know, they were ranked number three in the country at the beginning of the year. So these are two very, very good basketball teams that are going to be, it's going to be a fun, fun game. We need it. We need this place. We need it packed. You know, I mean, honestly, wear your crimson, wear your white, wear any color other than orange. I don't really care. You just can't wear orange, but you can wear any other color. Um, but you will get your money's worth or you'll get your free tickets if you know my college number. Um, but honestly, we need it because I tell you what, I tell you, I, our crowd has already willed us to some of those victories. And I know, I mean, we've even had people travel with us. So some of those, some of those games that we've come back on the road have 100% been because of our fans. You had a good run in the NCAA tournament a year ago, um, looking to host maybe the first and second rounds once again this year. But I looked at your starting lineup at one point this year, and I said, there's four seniors and a junior in their starting lineup, and there's kids coming off the bench that have a lot of experience as well. Is that the biggest reason why you and your staff has been able to get it going so quickly? I mean, you're in year two in another great position to win the league. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's I think there's some of that, and I feel like just the leadership and uh, the chemistry of, of this group, and I think – you know, I don't think, I think honestly the biggest thing, and because I get asked this question all the time, right? And so as you process and you say those answers of, yeah, you got the experience, but you didn't have the winning experience necessarily, but you did have the experience of what do you have to lose? You've already lost, right? And so now you find this little taste of, okay, hey, this is us winning. And so you trade everything for it, right? So we've had eight different people that have been the leading scorer in games. I mean, who else can say that? Who else can say that? I mean, eight, eight different people that have been the leading scorer of a team that scores a lot of points, by the way. It's not that we're not scoring a lot of points. And so we were able to do that. We're number one in the country in terms of assists per game right now. I mean, that's another in the country. I mean, that's a big deal. So you look at the leadership of this program, and it's we have incredible talent. Maddie Williams is incredible. She is. Taylor Robertson, incredible. Ana Yunusa coming back. I mean, she has her own story that's incredible. But you look at those three and what they've been able to do to say, you know what? We don't just care about playing well. We don't just care about winning games. We care about winning every possession, and that's, I think, the difference. I don't know if you're looking for halftime entertainment on Saturday, but last time Teddy dunked a basketball, he got rejected by the rim <laughs> and fell in the back. Teddy, would you be up for a redemption opportunity for the for halftime on Saturday to try to dunk it? All right, that's again? actually not true. you got to remember at the um, – uh, the alumni basketball game there a couple years ago, I dunked one. So, come Uh-oh. on, Tyler. He hit, <laughs> a couple he, of years ago at an alumni basketball like a, game, I love the reference. He hit a 30-pointer <laughs> down here. I don't know how 30-pointers exist in that game, but Teddy managed it. Well, because they, they knew it was going to be a low-scoring game, so they tried to, uh, <laughs> to get some points on the board somehow. And, unfortunately, I'm going to have to opt out of that attempt. I think if I tried it now, I'd probably tear an Achilles or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> You can just pass. Yeah. You can be a pass. That's perfect. Last question. Uh, I asked Michael Neal earlier this year. Mm -hmm. I think it was um, right before the Iowa State game. You've seen a lot of great shooters. You were a great shooter yourself, Michael. Where does Taylor Robertson rank in terms of greatest shooters in women's college basketball you've seen? And he pulled the, well, I'm biased, but I I think that she's absolutely one of the best. What, What would you say? You know, I was lucky enough. So she broke Lori Kane's record. 
uh, last year for the Big 12 mm-hmm. in terms of uh, three-point shooting in the Big 12 conference. And, and my first year in coaching was Lori's senior year at Kansas State. So I got to see two of the greatest shooters of all time, and there's no question. I mean, what Taylor can do uh, is absolutely incredible. And I think what's been so fun, too, is to just watch her entire game evolve. I mean, you look at some of her passes are pretty – I mean, they're pretty on the money. I mean, they're fun. Mm-hmm. She's got this just really high basketball key. You know, you got to see her whole Steph Curry experience. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it was so cool. We had a so live cool. goats on the floor. We had point. those, and nobody asked me about that, or we might not have had live goats on the floor, <laughs> but we did. Yeah, we did. But that whole experience was so fun, too, to be able to watch her through all that. Jenny Baranchek, best of luck on Saturday. Thanks awesome. For Thank, thanks so much, you guys. Boomer. There you go. We'll close up hour number one of the rush on the other side. Keep it locked in the ref. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Tell me what you think about this, by the way. Like it, love it, or hate it. Caleb Williams, this is making the rounds. USC quarterback Caleb Williams was asked where he would like to play in the NFL. I guess most kids just say, oh, you know, whoever drafts me, I would just be, you know, blessed to play there. Not Caleb Williams. He says, I like to be around younger coaches. I'd probably go to the Dolphins. I also would be, uh, I'd love to be able to play with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Jacecki. The defense isn't bad. That's probably my number one spot. What do you think about a kid just outright coming out and saying where he'd like to play? I like it. I do. And I think um I think there's I think there's a lot of truth to what he says there. I, I I actually think the the future looks pretty bright in Miami at least uh at least right now as I view things. I I think that would actually be a really good spot for him. Uh great shopping, tons of stuff to do down there. Yeah. And all you have to do is beat out Skylar Thompson. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, quick timeout. We got hour number two of the rush coming up next.